good day and welcome to Point Residential Trust, Inc. third quarter conference call. Today's conference is being recorded. At this time, I would like to turn the conference over to Jackie Graham. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good day, everyone, and welcome to Next Point Residential Trust's conference call to review the company's results for the third quarter ended September 30th, 2021. On the call today are Brian Miss, Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, Matt McGrainer, Executive Vice President and Chief Investment Officer, and Bonner McDermott, Vice President Asset Management. As a reminder, this call is being webcast at the company's website at nxrt.nextpoint.com. Before we begin, I would like to remind everyone that this conference call contains forward-looking statements within the meaning of the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995 that are based on management's current expectations, assumptions, and beliefs. Listeners should not place undue reliance on any forward-looking statements and are encouraged to review the company's most recent annual report on Form 10-K and the company's other filings with the SEC for a more complete discussion of risks and other factors that could affect any forward-looking statements. The statements made during the conference call speak only as of today's date and except as required by law, NXRT does not undertake any obligation to publicly update or revise any forward-looking statements. This conference call also includes an analysis of non-GAAP financial measures. For a more complete discussion of these non-GAAP financial measures, see the company's early earnings release that was filed earlier today. I would now like to turn the call over to Brian Mitch. Please go ahead, Brian. Thank you, Jackie, and welcome to everyone for joining us this morning. Appreciate your time. I'm Brian Mitz. I'm joined by Matt McGrainer for our prepared remarks. I'll kick off the call with some commentary in the quarter and year and cover our results, wrap up with guidance, which we are again revising upward. <clears throat> I'll then turn it over to Matt to discuss specifics on the leasing environment and metrics driving our performance and uh, leading us to revise guidance and that upward. With net migration continuing into our core Sunbelt markets and continued shortage of high quality affordable housing, and XRT continues to enjoy enormous pricing power, with new lease rates increasing 23.8% for the quarter and renewal rates increasing 10.5% for the quarter across the portfolio. Net migration into our markets continues uh, pretty much unabated. This continues to track capital and send cap rates to historic lows in our markets as reflected in our revised NAV calculations. We continue to find attractive deals despite the competitive acquisition market and have acquired three assets this year. The current environment also allows us to sell assets that have been fully renovated at a premium and recycle that capital into new value add product where we can achieve higher rates of return and move out of slower growth assets. Yesterday we closed on the sale of two assets in Nashville achieving a combined IRR of 36.1% and a multiple on invested capital 3.55 times. As we've discussed before, our growth prospects are not dependent on acquisitions. We continue to achieve significant returns from our value add strategy, where we can move cap rates 75 to 150 basis points over three, three to five years from acquisition, which makes us less sensitive to absolute cap rate levels. The ongoing and widening shortage of affordable housing in the U.S., which is more acute in our Sunbelt markets, as new household formation outpaces new housing deliveries, gives us plenty of runway to continue implementing our value-add strategy across the portfolio and on new acquisitions. 
The increased net migration coupled with the shortage of housing allowed our portfolio to achieve all-time high occupancies and sets us up to continue to aggressively push rates for the remainder of the year and into 2022 while still maintaining high occupancies. Net loss for the second quarter was 5.4 million or negative 21 cents per diluted share on total revenues of 56.4 million as compared to 29.6 million or $1.19 per diluted share in 2020 on total revenues of 51 million. For the quarter, same store rent increased 6.8% and same, same store occupancy was up 40 basis points at 95.4%. This coupled with an increase in same store expenses of 5.2% led to an increase in same store NOI of 1.9 million or 6.6% as compared to Q3 2020. Reported Q3 core FFO of 16.4 million or 65 cents per diluted share compared to 53 cents per diluted share in Q3 2020, or an increase of 22.6%. That loss for the nine months into September 30th was 15.7 million or minus 62 cents per diluted share as compared to a 48.2 million gain or $1.91 per diluted share in the same period in 2020. For the year, same store NOI has increased 2 million or 2.4% as compared to 2020. Year to date, we reported core FFO of 44.7 million or $1.78 per diluted share compared to $1.64 per diluted share for the same period in 2020, or an increase of 8.5%. We continue to execute our value add business plan by completing 290 full and partial renovations during the quarter and lease 349 renovated units, achieving an average monthly rent premium of $172 and a 21.2% return on investment during the quarter. Inception to date and the current portfolio is at 930. We've completed 5,979 full and partial upgrades, 4,554 kitchen upgrades and washer dryer installments, and 10,134 technology package installations achieving an average monthly rent premium of $134, $47, and $43 respectively, and a return on investment of 21.5%, 72.7%, and 35% respectively. Based on our current estimate of cap rates in our markets and forward NOI, we're reporting an NAV per share range as follows, $75.03 on the low end, $86.22 on the high end, and $80.62 at the midpoint. These are based on average cap rates ranging from 3.5% on the low end to 3.8% on the high end. The third quarter, we paid a dividend of 34.125 cents per share on September 30th. The board declared a dividend per share of 38 cents per share payable on December 31st, representing an 11.4% increase over the prior dividend. Since inception, we've increased our dividend to 84.5%. Year to date, our dividend was 1.74 times covered by core FFO with a payout ratio of 58% of core FFO. In 2021, we're revising guidance upwards as follows. Core FFO per diluted share, $2.36 on the low end, $2.41 on the high end for a midpoint of $2.38. Same store revenue, 4.7% uh, on the low end, 5.1% on the high end, 
4.9% on the low end. Same store expenses, 5.4% low end, 4.6% on the high end, and 5% in the midpoint. And for same store NOI, 4.4% on the low end, 5.6% on the high end, and 5.5% uh, on the midpoint. That's up from 4% uh, from prior guidance, and our core FFO is up uh, three cents from $2.35 per share previously. If we achieve our midpoint of 2021 core FFO guidance, this will represent an 8.2% increase over a 2020 core FFO of $1.93 per share. So with that, I'll turn it over to Matt. Thanks, Brian. <clears throat> As those of you that have followed our company know, our goal is to consistently generate high single to low double-digit growth in our same-store NOI, core FFO, and annual dividend. And as Brian mentioned, we're pleased to announce our sixth, sixth consecutive increase in our annual dividend as well as material increases in both same-store NOI and core FFO. And XRT continues to benefit from our market and asset selection as well as on-the-ground operational performance. Population inflows into our Sunbelt communities continue to accelerate with net migration from California and New York dominating our leasing applications year-to-date continuing to increase 20% year-over-year. Low migration outflows from our markets and consistent resident retention also explain the material strength and occupancy. Our Q3 same-store occupancy ended at 95.4%. That's up 37 basis points from a year ago. And as of November 1st, our portfolio is 95.1% occupied, 96.8% leased, with a 92.5% trend. Renewal retention for the quarter was 58.4% and accelerated throughout the quarter with July being 55% and ending in September at 62%. These historically high occupancies and trends are driving material rent increases in revenue growth across all of our Sunbelt markets. Our same, our same store revenue growth, for example, exceeded 3.2% in six out of our 10 markets in Q3 with every market experiencing positive rental revenue growth. In addition, both new leasing and re renewal spreads remain elevated. New leases ended the quarter at a robust 24%. That's almost 10% higher than last quarter. Renewals finished at a positive 10.5% for a Q3 blended rental growth of just under 16%. Here are the numbers by month, which demonstrate another acceleration throughout the quarter and into October. July new leases were up 23.2%, with renewals being 8.4%, with a four blended increase of 14.2%. August new leases were up 24.1%, with renewals being 10.1% for a blended increase of 15.4%. And September new leases were up 24.4%, with renewals being 13.5% for a blended increase of almost 18%. Q3 new lease growth continues to be strongest in Atlanta, Tampa, Orlando, South Florida, Phoenix, and Las Vegas, with each of those markets clearing at least 25% new lease growth. Every market in the portfolio is up at least 14%. So far in October, new leases are up 26.9%, with renewals being 15% for a blended increase of over 21% on roughly 1,000 leases. On the transaction front, yesterday we completed the sale of Beechwood and Cedar, generating $49 million of net proceeds. As a reminder, these dispositions generated roughly an 80 basis point positive cap rate ARB funded and completed our reverse 1031 into two new Charlotte acquisitions, Creekside at Matthews and the Verandas at Lake Norman. Both of these replacement assets are performing ahead of our expectations and already beating in Q3 NOI budgets by over 
On September 10th, as Brian mentioned, we closed the previously announced Six Forks transaction in RTP for $74.8 million at a year one economic cap rate of 4.1%. In addition to generating a cap rate ARB, we also upgraded our portfolio's location and quality with these transactions. We recycled capital out of a Nashville submarket with 56000 in annual median income average within a one mile radius of the assets and into Charlotte and Raleigh submarkets with 118,000 annual median income within a one mile radius of these assets. As you might have noticed, we updated our cap rate range, as Brian mentioned, to, to be 3.5% to 3.8% from 4 to 4.3% last quarter. We continue to see aggressive capital compressed cap rates as demand for quality affordable housing assets in our markets has never been stronger. During Q3 21, we ourselves uh, underwrote many deals in our target markets and finished it up as a bride, uh, bridesmaid on several that went multiple rounds and ultimately, ultimately uh, culminated in a sealed bid process. During these processes, pricing often moved 20% from initial broker guidance and in some cases went, pricing went in the sub three cap rate land. We witnessed the same process as a seller of Beechwood and Cedar, which culminated into a sealed bid ourselves and ultimately sold for a tax adjusted three and a half cap rate. Given the underlying growth uh, and fundamentals of Class B multifamily and Sunbelt markets, coupled with how resilient these assets performed during the pandemic, we don't see an investor appetite abating anytime soon. On the redevelopment front, we completed 290 total rehabs in Q3. So far in October, we started 132 and completed 42. We're budgeted to complete an additional 253 full and partial upgrades, as well as 141 washer and dryer installs during the quarter. We stand ready to complete these upgrades, but we'll adjust the number lower to the extent we retain more tenants at elevated pricing during the winter months. This will, this will allow some of the supply chain issues to abate, which are there, but aren't, detriment, aren't detrimentally material at the moment, at least for us, uh, as they relate to delays in appliance deliveries and paint sourcing, both of which we can navigate over the, over the near term. As Brian mentioned, we're pleased to announce another meaningful increase in core FFO to a midpoint of $2.38 a share. This guidance improvement is largely driven by revenue growth and expense savings and not acquisitions, as was the case from prior quarter. Our portfolio's revenue component has been well documented here, but wanted to briefly provide an update regarding property taxes. We've now received preliminary value notices for all assets and are presently appealing or filing suit on 24 of the 41 property values largely concentrated in our Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Texas markets. We've seen some favorable value notices issued and protests settled year-to-date and are continuing to aggressively pursue further tax expense reduction on the open protest properties. Our improved full-year 2021 same-store NOI guidance forecast incorporates all known reductions, refunds, and settlements booked to date. We're still mildly optimistic about realizing further reductions in the fourth quarter and early and into early 2022. In closing, I wanted to address questions routinely being asked by our investors regarding how long we can generate this degree of revenue growth. As those of you that follow us know, our goal is to provide an affordable but upgraded housing experience that post renovation can still be at a price point comfortably underneath the next best housing option in our markets, which mainly is a new garden deal or single family rental. Today, this delta is still as material as it has ever been. We routinely, we routinely analyze class, uh, class A effective rent data from Axiometrics and RealPage, as well as SFR rents reported by the public REITs and our own internal SFR platform. 
And XRT's Q3 effective whole dollar portfolio rent is $1,183. In our markets, Axios Class A average rent is $1,684, and Invitation Homes is $1,974. That leaves roughly a $500 and $800 per month effective rent differential, respectively, between our, up our upgraded products and these next best options. We believe this headroom in rents will continue to provide a tailwind for our company's revenue growth over the near and intermediate terms. That's all I have for prepared remarks. Thanks to our teams here at Next Point and BH for continuing to execute. Back to you, Brian. Yeah, thank you. We'll uh, turn it over for questions. Thank you. If you would like to ask a question, please signal by pressing star 1 on your telephone keypad. If you're using a speakerphone, please make sure your mute function is turned off to allow your signal to reach our equipment. Again, press star 1 to ask a question. We'll pause for just a few moments to allow everyone an opportunity to signal for questions. We'll take our first question from Amanda Schweitzer with Baird. Thanks, good morning. Can you provide an update on where you currently stand with loss to lease in the portfolio? Yeah, so, uh, hey, man, it's Matt. So we are currently, um, roughly at, uh, call it 824,000 across the portfolio for the year. Uh, absolute dollars, just a gap. Yeah, that's right. So Okay, that's helpful. And then as you think about same store growth into next year, where do you stand on resolving some of those prior casualty events? And when do you expect those units to be back fully online and no longer impacting same store growth? Yeah, I think um, for us, we're expecting to have um, uh, cutters be up and running during the first, probably toward the end of the first quarter. Um, and then uh, along that same time frame from the from the ice storm, the, the Houston assets and the and the, um, the Dallas assets should be should be hitting um, in the in the first quarter as well. So kind of Q two, uh, everything should be back in the pool. Okay, that's helpful. And then last one for me, you did talk in the press release about how you continue to evaluate the portfolio for additional capital recycling opportunities. Can you talk about the potential magnitude of that recycling activity and potential locations you're considering for sale today? Yeah, I think, um, I don't know if we said on the call, but you know, definitely an investor one-on-ones uh, -on is that um, our, our probably next uh, culling of the portfolio will, will occur in, in Houston, our three, assets, our three assets in Houston, specifically Old Farm and um, uh, Stone Creek are probably the first two that would go. Uh, the thinking there is Houston has been a market that has sort of underperformed um, the rest of our core markets. Um, both on the revenue side and then the uh, the tax assessors and the municipalities are very aggressive in terms of uh, raising taxes, so you kind of get the, the worst of both worlds. Um, and then we want to continue to overweight markets that have robust growth and, you know, lower, uh, lower property taxes and, and other not controllables. So um, those markets for us right now are, are in North Carolina, Charlotte, and Research Triangle. 
which we're spending a lot of time, um, you know, there, uh, and, and especially with Six Forks. And then, you know, Phoenix is, is another market that's probably performed as well as any for us with robust uh, leasing growth. And then, you know, obviously they have the, the statutory um, limit on, on property tax increases, so that's helpful uh, there. So I, I would say we continue to focus on those on those two markets. Thanks. Appreciate the time. You bet. Again, to ask a question, please press star 1. As a reminder, only analysts may ask a question. We'll take our next question from Gaurav Mehta with National Securities. Yeah, thanks. Good morning. Uh, first question I have is on uh, cost of material. I'm wondering if you could comment on what you're seeing as far as uh, cost of materials and if that's impacting your returns on redevelopment at all? Yeah, for us, the, um, the, the cost of materials um, is really probably focused in two areas, appliances and paint. Um, we're seeing the most uh, increase, and, and it's not necessarily an, an increase that we can't pass along. It's just, just really getting access to the, to the appliances and goods. Um, which is about eight to ten weeks um, behind uh, behind schedule, and um, you know I think in terms of that's timing and in terms of, of cost, you know roughly fifteen to twenty percent more. Um, but again, we're, we've been able to pass that on uh, for for the upgraded product and, and through the rents. Great, um, and second question I have uh, maybe big picture on uh, on the macro side. Uh, I was wondering, you know, what your view is on sustainability of the mid-three cap rates uh, in the event we have tightening of monetary policy in 2022. Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know, kind of said it in the NAV uh, table discussion, but um, you know, we we don't see uh, investor appetite abating, and then just a wall of sheer cash and capital um, out there. Uh, for for assets, um, you know, notwithstanding inflationary pressures, most of the world is in a negative interest rate environment, um, and you know we just think that uh, the you know that that um, you know those issues coupled with coupled with the cash, how well the growth is in these in these assets, you know, double digit increases, uh, the ability to pass uh, pass along inflation, uh, reset you know on a monthly basis for for rent. And then particularly how well you know these assets performed, um, specifically you know garden affordable B assets and, and Sunbelt performed during um, sort of the worst of times over the over the past eighteen months um, with you know had had some bad debt issues and collection issues but but generally performed well and were occupied and people paid rent um, and the uh, the revenue didn't didn't turn materially negative um, so I think you know investors from all aspects from all um, you know, capital allocation perspectives are, are took took side of that, and um, and we're seeing it you know pour in in spades right now. Okay, thank you. That's all I had. Thank you. We'll take our next question from Buck Horn with Raymond James. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, Curious, you know, these new leases. Uh, I mean, the pricing power you guys are, are generating is just uh, almost unprecedented right now. Um, certainly, incomes and wages across the economy seem to be improving quite a bit. 
Um, but I don't know if they're keeping up with, you know, 24, 25% new lease rate increases. So I wonder if you can provide some context around uh, where your rent to income ratios stand for, for your new applicants who are coming in, maybe what the, you know, what kind of income are those um, out of state uh, applications bringing with them? Uh, you know, how, how sustainable are these levels of, of rent increases given the, uh, you know, the, the credit quality of the applications? Yeah, I think our, our portfolio average is, is roughly, I think, 26% as it sits today, um, a buck, and, it's, and that's, that's been, um, it's usually been, I think, for us, 23 to, to, to 25%, so it's a little bit, I think, elevated. Um, it doesn't really tell the whole story, though, because, as I mentioned, from the, the capital recycling of the assets, um, our, uh, our median household income uh, is going up uh, with uh, with the location upgrades. So, you know, 118,000 for the Charlotte and an and RTP deal uh, versus um, 55,000 for for the Nashville deal. So, um, we've been upgrading our our uh, uh, you know our, our kind of demographic and our job quality um, throughout the throughout the past three or four years. And I and I just harken it back to um, just the headroom and rents between what the options are. Um, so, you know, again, like our um, our rents are twelve hundred bucks. You know, New Garden is, is seventeen hundred, and then SFR is, is two thousand. And I, I, I just think we'll have the ability. Um, it, you know, once we get, I think a hundred dollars uh, coin flip uh, between us and the next best option, I'd get worried. But five hundred, eight hundred dollars, respectively. Um, and those, and it's not like Class A and, and, and SFR aren't doing the same thing. I mean, you see record increases in both of those property types as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's sustainable over the uh, certainly over the near term um, because there's just not going to be enough supply uh, versus the um, versus the demand for for affordable housing. Great, that's great, color. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, and you know with the uh you know certainly improved cost of capital um you know with with how you're underwriting new deals how are you thinking about where your current leverage targets stand and uh you know as you're continuing to pursue new acquisitions do you think about over equitizing some of those new deals to to bring the total leverage down yeah yeah i think i think so um you know the the I, I guess the dispositions um, are, are going to be our probably the, the highest near-term currency um, to the extent that we funded acquisitions of the Houston assets, for example, um, because I think that there's going to be a at least a net-net cap rate ARB, um, especially if you look at out through year one or year two in a new acquisition, um, just given the drag in taxes and, and revenue growth in, in Houston. And then as we've said from our uh, from our NAV table, you know, we think we're relatively cheap right now. The private market values and transaction activity, and so we're not necessarily looking to um, you know raise, raise a bunch of equity here. Um, again, we don't see that this is going to stop any anytime soon. So, um, yeah, to the extent we found a new deal, we probably add less leverage on um, on the replacement uh, replacement asset um, and over equitize it that way instead of you know issuing equity. Um, but comfortable with where our swaps are, with where um, all in interest rate are, and, and where we're hedged, um, you know, over the next you know four and a half five years. Well, Brian, you have anything to add to that? Yeah, perfect, <clears throat> perfect. 
All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Bo. We'll take our next question from Tio Okasanya with Credit Suisse. Hi, uh, yes. Uh, good morning, guys. Congrats on another great quarter. Uh, first question, could you just talk a little bit about Vegas, um, Atlanta, and Charlotte, specifically kind of negative uh, year-over-year and quarter-over-quarter occupancy trends and what may be happening in those three particular markets, just kind of given how strong everything else was? Yeah, you bet. So Vegas is primarily uh, related to one asset, that's Bloom, um, in which there's um, there are a little bit more concentrated late payers. Um, so when you saw the the kind of uncertainty in the eviction moratoriums, you know, they, they stopped and started again and stopped again in July and August. I think that property in particular was hit um, uh, hardest with skits, and so that's that's primarily a driver of that occupancy. Since then, we've um, upgraded a ton of units there. Um, just made the decision to go ahead and upgrade them all, and then you know, are achieving new new leases. Um, you know, in the twenty percent, twenty twenty five percent range there. Um, so that's going to, I think, work itself out to, to be a net positive. Um, Atlanta, kind of the same story with the preserve at, at Carroll Mill, concentrated issues um, uh, again because the eviction moratorium uh, was off and on again, and then and then off again. So. Uh, had the same had the same issue there. We uh, we cleared out a lot of the the skips and late payers um, and have upgraded units there. And again, same same story. Thirty percent uh, plus new lease growth at that asset. Um, and then, by the way, in, the, in those two assets, we've also received a ton of rental assistance that um, you know that have made their way uh, that will make their way through um, th- through the income statement through the year. Finally, Charlotte. Um, uh, primarily related uh, to um, uh, to Timber Creek, so uh, one again one asset there. Same story, um, had some skips, uh, plus there's some bad uh, or not bad debt, but um, some units down there uh, due to uh, due to casualties. So um, you know those those are all kind of the three I guess problem children, if you will, in those in those markets that caused I think overall relatively minor. Um, you know, uh, uh, issues, but not, uh, not anything that we're worried about long-term. Great, okay, that's helpful. Then the second question, the, I mean, again, just uh, from someone's prior comments, the, the 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 spreads on the new leases and the renewals are, are pretty eye-popping. Um, I'm assuming, you know, the, the benefits from you know the tech packet upgrades and the and the unit upgrades are all kind of, are built into those numbers and and if they are, is there a way we can just kind of separate the benefits from those big you know rent jumps you get when you've done that versus just kind of standard kind of uh, rent increases for renewals and, and new leases? Yeah, I mean you're talking about X kind of uh, value add. Um, Right, exactly. Value, right? It's, it's yeah. 16% all in, as you mentioned before, kind of X all the value add. If we're just kind of really looking at, you know, the similar unit, quote unquote, what would that number be? Yeah, I think the best indicator is your, you know, your renewal rate, perhaps, um, which is, uh, um, you know, 10, 12, 15%. Um, but then again, like if we didn't upgrade, uh, as many units we signed probably you know 
I'd say probably 500, actually, I have 390. Yeah, we had 390 new leases. Um, and then for, for Q3, uh, excuse me, 390 upgrades. 349. 349 upgrades for, for Q3 but we signed 1,459 new leases during the quarter at 23.81% um, for an average rental increase of $275. So um, I guess backing out the, 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 rent, the, um, the premium, um, you're probably still in the mid to high teens, but that's something we can, we can definitely uh, pull and get for you, um, you know, following this call. Uh, irrespective of the number, it's still, I mean, this is a, there's some pretty aggressive increases. It's pretty uh, impressive that there wasn't a, any kind of bigger impact on occupancy. So uh, well done. Appreciate it. We'll take our next question from Michael Lewis with Tris Securities. Uh, thank you. Um, I, I want to follow up on the cap rate discussion a little bit. So the the disposition cap rate, the two Nashville deals, I, I, I think I missed it. Did you say that was a 4-1 cap? No, those were 3.54% uh, three, tax-adjusted cap rate. Okay. And that's on, is that on forward 12-month NOI or is that in place? Uh, in place T3, T12, T3 over T12. Okay. So... Assuming that there's any loss to lease there, that's, a, that's an even lower forward cap rate. Um, okay. <laughs> I was, was going to see if I was comparing apples to, to apples with the cap rates you're using um, for your NAV analysis. But I, I assume when you, when you calculate your NAV, you're, you're capping forward 12-month NOI as well? Or is that in place like, like the cap rate you just gave? Yeah, it's forward, but it's nominal. So it's it's sort of net net um, neutral. So the nominal cap rates we or the cap rates that we uh, quote um, for for the NAV table table are nom are nominal cap rates and, and aren't uh, tax adjusted or um, or uh, capex adjusted. The cap rates that we just quoted the three point five five four for for um, Nashville are tax adjusted and are uh, post capex. Okay, oh, yeah, that's helpful. Um, and I wanted to ask about, um, you know, the Raleigh acquisition. I assume that's probably a market um, that you wouldn't mind growing in. Um, you know, maybe thoughts on looking to do more there. And I'm also wondering, you know, other target markets. You know, how many how many markets are kind of in your, you know, in your playpen here that you would, um, you know, that you kind of survey and are are poking around. Yeah, I mean, Raleigh-Durham is the biggest focus for us. Um, you know, right now we're spending a lot of time, effort, energy, money, um, and, and, and resources in that market. Um, you know, the, the latest research we've seen and being on the ground there, there's, you know, over 10,000 jobs over the next 12 months with an average median income of $150,000 or more and only three, you know, plus or minus 3,000 units of new stock delivered. So that's an incredible dynamic that just doesn't exist in most places. Problem is capital there, uh, or capital is also, you know, seeing the same things we are. So it's just a tough market to enter. Um, other than other than that, frankly, there's not a ton of, of new places uh, or new markets that we're that we're focused on. We've studied Salt Lake City a little bit um, in, in the Mountain West region. Um, probably not not going to spend a ton of time there. But other than 
uh, Raleigh, where we are spending time, and, and Salt Lake could be interesting later and later in the future. Um, we're we're really happy with our core markets. Okay, great. And then just uh, lastly, for me, following up on an earlier question about the leverage, it looked to us like the like the leverage did come down a little bit this quarter, but. Um, You've got, I think, 200. You ended the quarter, I think, with 275 million drawn on the credit facility. Um, you know, it sounds like maybe you would use some sale proceeds to pay that down a little bit. But how do you kind of think about, you know, sometimes you run a little bit tight on the facility. You know, how do you think about um, what it might be worth to you to free up a little bit of dry powder or thoughts on the way, you know, you use that facility or, or how you might do some permanent funding um, and bring that balance down? I don't know. Yeah, um, I'll start and I'll let, let Brian finish. I think, uh, you know, for us, we, the, I think we, well, first of all, we just paid 50 of it down, uh, yesterday. Um, so balance is a little bit lower from our dispositions, but, uh, you're right. We do run generally drawn and hot, um, on, on the revolver and then utilize the, um, the portfolio's currency. Uh, we started to do that uh, when we issued a little bit of stock on the ATM, but then but then realized the market environment where we were and stopped because uh, we just saw pricing that was going to run uh, incredibly uh, far. We still believe that, so um, you know we're not in in a uh, a mad dash hurry to um, to issue equity and uh, and pay down two and a half percent debt right now um, when you know when our growth rates are are, are increasing. So. Um, I think that I think that the current thinking is if we if we can you know, reach a position where uh, our new NAB table is, then we then we might utilize the ATM to uh, to delever. Um, otherwise, it's going to be the uh, dispose. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks a lot. Uh, yeah, sorry, good. No, I was, I was done. We can go to the next question. We'll take our next question from Rob Stevenson with Janie. Uh, good morning, guys. Uh, the guidance has same store expense growth coming down from 5.6% down to a midpoint of 5.0 now. Is this just timing of year over year comps? Are you really starting to see any material relief in the expense increases on the big items like taxes, people, and insurance as we move into 2022? Yeah, I think, I think Rob, it's largely taxes. Um, we, we realized uh, a pretty good uh, reversal. Um, you know, the second half of the year in, in the Houston taxes, I think it's, you know, almost half a million bucks. Um, and so we think that, you know, uh, Houston optimistic on some Tarrant County assets in Dallas, uh, and, and, in Atlanta, um, I think those are, um, uh, those are the main drivers. Okay. And so as we start thinking ahead, I mean, is it likely to be in the sort of high fours is where same store expense growth is likely to be given the current market environment and the inflationary pressures across the board? Yeah, I mean, I think we're, I think we're optimistic. It can, it can come, come in lower, but it wouldn't be, um, you know, it, it, I don't think it would be largely driven by, uh, you know, a big number in repair and, and maintenance savings or, um, or or payroll. I think it's just it's largely tax driven. Okay, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Bob. 
Again, if you would like to ask a question, please press star 1. As a reminder, only analysts may ask a question. Again, that is star 1. We'll pause for just a few more moments to allow everyone an opportunity to signal for questions. I'm showing we have no more questions in the queue at this time. That concludes today's question and answer session. Speakers, at this time, I will turn the conference back over to you for any additional or closing remarks. Yeah, appreciate everyone's time. We'll uh, talk after you're in. Thank you. That concludes today's call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect.